Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We are live and in color. The Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, your YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify, what the hell is wrong with you? God, we tell you enough. It's a daily thing now. And we're right back at it. Game night. Mm-hmm. See, Good I like week. this. I, I don't like the two, three days off. No, we got this whole month. Is December, Thursday, or sorry, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Keep her consistent. And we got a terrific show for you in the next two hours. Gord Stelectricity. Leaf Nation pre and post game. Former Leaf General Manager Gord Stellick. Love having him on. In about uh, 40 plus minutes or so, the president of the Los Angeles Kings, Luke Robitaille. Lucky Luke. You know what I kind of find baffling? And this is just you being young, <laughs> Sammy, is that, you know, you're like, uh, Luke Robitaille was not a, like, a high draft choice. He wasn't a top pick. Yeah. <laughs> he was in ninth round. He's one of the best wingers in NHL history. Hey, the and thing he's is, now finding out that he's one of those guys that slipped through the cracks. Yeah. It is baffling, though, that even if you just looked at raw statistics, he's in Hull. He had 190 points the one year. You don't have to go to games to know that that guy's good. How many ninth round picks have not missed a year between junior and the NHL and then scored 45 goals in their first year? <laughs> Skip from junior and become a 50 Maybe. goal scorer. People are like, anyone watch this guy before? Great, great scouting. Yeah. Lucky Luke, as he's known to a lot of us, has an amazing story, draft story, that I'm going to get him to share with Sammy here. Oh, good. Great. On how that whole thing went about how was your day luke robitaille when it came to your nhl draft so make sure you stick around for that one because i absolutely love it it makes me laugh every time i he, uh, i hear it or think about it he was a rookie i believe on my dad's los angeles kings and i remember uh yeah so he was there when dad was there he i remember being a kid in the dressing room and you know, playing pranks on Luke and all these. Uh, I can It's the first time I've talked to him in 30 years. You you, you got to pull up, Sammy, uh, his uh, his overall stats because we, we got to just remind people on what a great goal scorer yeah. this guy was from the moment he joined uh, the LA Kings with your dad. Yeah. Like, it was lights out. Him and Jimmy Carson. His Both playoff of them. numbers are ridiculous, too. He so, was, yeah, he was very, very good. He, and now, he finished with 1,394 points in 1,431 games. And now he and Rod, uh, Rob Blake are uh, leading the charge for the LA Kings. They go against uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, uh, which will include Brody back in the lineup. Cleared a couple of days ago. I don't know. Did you change a winning lineup? Yes. Uh, (laughs) I am not. Yeah. I'm not a superstitious guy. Let's put the good players in. All right. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Kippers Clipper on TJ Brody's return. Medically, he's been cleared for 
for a few days here now. He was cleared the other night, but we're just, you know, like we've talked about a lot with these injured guys, you know, there's the physical part of it, but then there's also just getting them up to speed and feeling comfortable where they could play in a game. And, you know, in, in Broad's case, um, probably haven't had as much practice time as he would like or as we would like him to have. That's just uh, the schedule being what it is, but he did get the one the other night, or the other day, I should say, uh, in Dallas with us, so... And he's feeling he's feeling ready to go. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of ease him back into it and get him back up to speed. But you know, it's uh, gonna be nice to have him back for sure. You know what I think is most interesting? Not just that TJ Brody's back, but how they plan to use him. They got him on the left side with Connor Timmins, which to me means they want Connor Timmins to to do well. I uh, that's my thought. So you played. One exhibition game with the New York Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember your line mates? Do you remember like the scene of of that game mm-hmm. and how every player measures their success with who, you who with? the coach playing you with? Oh yeah, no, I went to the the lineup board and saw yes. my line mates, and, and it was like, they? oh, I think it was like Sean Bentavolio <laughs> who played, you know, in the American League, and okay. you know, it wasn't it wasn't guys, it wasn't um, capital G guys. Uh, so it wasn't Mike Comrie or Bill Guerin right. or Mike Sillinger. No, no, or, right? no, it was none of those guys. That's when you know. Yeah. And I'll never forget my being a part of the Philadelphia Flyer training camp and walking in one day and then seeing that you're going to play with, at the time, Murray Craven and like a Rick Tockett. They're and like, you're like, oh, they want me to be oh, oh my God. a player. Okay, all right. So how's Timmons feeling today when he <laughs> yeah. walks in? This morning and, and hears that he's going to play with a $5 million D-man. And not just a $5 million D-man. The D-man who makes other D-men better, right? Like he's with Riley and Riley's at his best. He's with Hall and Hall's at his best. He's the guy that makes partners good. And, you know, Sammy and I were talking before we came on today. There has to be some element of what we talked about where they looked at Timmons and go, okay, six foot two, he's a right shot. If he could be good, if he could be good, yeah. we could really use I him to turn uh, out. Uh, I don't know if he can be really good. Can he is be the not first bad? Thought. No. Can he stay healthy? Okay. I think everybody is on the the same page that this guy was once upon a time a high prospect, a guy that could get the job done, who's played at an elite level, that has raised beyond just your average uh, stick, throw it on the wall and see if it sticks prospect. Right. That this guy had 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 that success and then he got hurt and then the concussions really set him back. Yeah. So are they more convinced that he, he... as long as he's healthy and in the lineup, that he will contribute? He will yeah. find a way to, to stick out? Uh, I think it's possible. I guess the question is, is there much of a history in the NHL of concussion-prone players or a player then sorting it out and going on to a long and fruitful yeah. career? You know who came to mind when I was thinking about that? Crosby, in the early days, after some getting his head yeah. dinged a few times, it was like, is this guy going to have issues with this? Well, and he hasn't. I think it's... Everybody in general who have had prolonged issues mm-hmm. and the Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan and Sheldon they don't have to go far to to say that uh, we also rolled the dice with uh, Kasha. Yep. And when Kasha was in, 
He was awesome. effective. He could skate. He could score an occasional goal here. Yeah. But he was difficult to play against. And, uh, and But come on. Like, we knew the history. Mm-hmm. And do you remember some show, Sammy, where it was like, oh, my God, like, this guy is going to get hurt again. We We did have shows before he got hurt again where we talked about how he skates headlong into dangerous areas. So with him, it wasn't just like a... That he was susceptible to getting concussions, he put himself in really bad spots. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Timmons. Haven't watched him enough to know yeah. if that's the case or if he just has. Yeah. You know, if that's just the way he's wired. Will be interesting. Will be uh, a, a, get another closer look tonight. Yep. To uh, me, to me, I would of all the guys that they've mixed in throughout the bottom of the lineup, the most tantalizing one by far is Timmons. To me. Well, he actually is a puzzle piece that fits. Now, yeah. can he play well and stay in? That's the and next I thought, question. I thought from, well, I guess it would have been harder for him to be as bad as he was in the first few minutes of that game where he f- literally fell to the ice multiple times. <laughs> but I thought he got a lot better in the second and third, yeah. and he kind of looked like he was gaining confidence. So you got to also think tonight. that the nerves, Oh, yeah. Right? Toronto Maple Leafs, you're a kid from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fell down in warm-up. Only played 40 games career in the league. Yeah. And you fell down in the first period. <laughs> and you fell down in the second shift. You're like, get me out of this game. <laughs> but he did get better uh, mm-hmm. as it uh, as it progressed. How far can Morgan Riley be if we're going to see Brody into the lineup? Let's ask Sheldon Keefe that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's not skating here yet, but he's you know he's in, in training and working regularly and, and healing. I think there's been nothing at this point that would say he's he's off the timeline. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly where it's at in terms of getting back on skate. So, so not good. Is Morgan at that point where you're like, okay, I want them to do well, but not that well without me. You know, I think there's an element of that. It's like, okay, you know, I want the boys to go eight and two when I miss 10, not 10 and oh, I don't want them to go. Are we better without him? Because certainly that conversation has happened. Sam and I were half joking about it, but it was like, we sure they miss him? I mean, of course we are. Right? Listen. <laughs> is there... <laughs> right? Is, I would like to miss the seven and a half maybe. million defenseman more. Maybe. Is that fair to say? You'd like to miss him a little bit more? But are there parts of his game that every once in a while raises the risk Going the other way? Just, just there are times when he gets caught. Yeah. There are times when, yeah, he's he's scrambling to get back. And I, I think it, it it was out of the, the necessity to drive offense mm-hmm. from the back end. Right. It, is there a chance that he could kind of curtail that a little bit and not feel the need to, to do that like he did yeah. earlier on in the season when he comes back? Yeah, you know, the the two points I think we'll make here, one is that, as Sammy noted, like every time you get in playoffs, he's been very good for them. He's been one of their better performers amongst the, the core guys. The other part is like, I wonder if watching this makes him think, I don't have to go as much. You know, the Leafs of old, when, when Riley was here, they needed help in every direction, and he tried to be everything for everyone. As he gets older and settles in a little bit, and like if he just plays good defense, is that enough? For seven and a half million that he plays 23 minutes a night, defends. Yeah, no. It's not. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm, it, it's, it's. So you still it's want a bit of a 40 conundrum. points? It's a conundrum because yeah. 
seven and a half million dollars should buy you more than just being mm. good defense. Yeah. Yeah, true. See what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I do. You, you can go find a guy that at four and a half or five for what you're talking about. TJ Brody. The, the seven and a half are supposed to drive offense, quarterback a power play, be on the ice in the last minute of uh, of bookending periods. Yeah, he'll do those things. Will he do them right? well or better than the other top D? So I don't know. If there's a chance that Sandine continues to to show great strides on a power play, does it make it that much harder of a decision when he comes back for yeah. for Sheldon to give him that 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 first look? I don't think Sandine has done it yet. Do you guys that when Riley comes back that they would say, "Sorry, Morgan"? No, I, I mean two for four, two for five on the power play could convince people the, it's uh, trending in the right direction the tonight. Leafs, the Leafs against Dallas, they didn't score a goal, but had legitimately one of the most dynamic power plays I've ever seen in my entire life. The one before they gave up oh, a breakaway my, at the end the other yeah. way, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 yeah, the yeah. full two minutes where of the, the boys... Passing, snapping yeah. it, It looked shooting. like a five-on-two. It, it was, was <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And I listen, I don't think the results have been there. I think you could probably, if you're Morgan Riley, you can probably point to the results and say, hey, I want to be back up there. But I test to me... It, the puck moves better at the top without him. Yeah. Do you guys agree or no? I do, but I think that Ty goes to the... Results. Old guy. Ty goes to the, the heavily paid leader guy. I think there's just times when I watch Morgan try to force it to Austin a little bit too much. And I, I mean, do, did the Washington Capitals uh, over the years or Tampa Bay when Stamkos was getting 60, was there a sense that you just got to... You got to funnel it down to the guy that's most likely to put it in the net. I, yeah. I thought at times he he would force that a little bit too much and and take away the threat of getting a puck to the net mm-hmm. or looking at other options. You know, I, I just sometimes Sandine catches the puck and then he shoots it, and that's really nice. Like I don't, I like having a shot from the point, and Riley only does it if he's looked at both directions six times and run out of options. So uh, Sandine still has to prove a little something, you know, to steal that job to Wally Pippett. But, yeah, he's uh, he's looked pretty good there. Well, if there's one guy that's been a- able to anchor this thing without Brody and uh, and Morgan Riley, it's uh, Gio. Yeah. It's still remarkable for me that uh, he's able to put 20-plus minutes. I mean, it's at times it's, uh, it's a bit of a scramble. He hasn't played less than 20 minutes going back a month. But... The IQ of being in the right place at the right time is still there for him. Yeah. And curious to see, you know, the the concern is never now. It's how does that whole play out in April. But right now he looks really good. Uh, why don't we listen to what Sheldon had to say about uh, Giordano? Like I've talked about this before. Like he's just an, an absolute competitor. Like he's just whatever whatever the team needs, whatever the coaching staff needs from, from him, he's going to give you absolutely everything that he has so i think that's what we've seen and he's a smart player uh he's very strong he doesn't put himself in bad spots so he's able to go out and and take on take on those minutes you know and then at the same time you know i i think while our defense whether i mean and first of all we can't talk about jordana without talking about justin hall because justin hall as well has has been outstanding through this stretch and those guys together have taken on so much and that's allowed sand and lilligren to find their game and now they've really come on like all of that's come together for us but the support that all of our defense have received from the forwards 
has really helped everybody else be better. That's a comprehensive review of their decor. Basically, Geo's good, so Hall's good, so Sandine and Lilligren can be good because our forwards are good. Everyone's good. What a beast. <laughs> yeah. It's a good drop. It'll, uh, is this what Leaf fans should expect moving forward? Are they at that, at that point of the season where, uh, it's as good as it it gets. Mm-hmm. Where is it between now and April? Does it dip a in little bit? In terms of structure and effort and Everything. all the things that are getting you through? Where Goaltending. According to Sheldon with his sound bites right now, he's got maybe six untouchables on the blue line. Yeah. I mean, high, high praise. I do wonder if some of it is like pushing back against narratives, like everyone booing Justin Hall at the start of the season. He asked, He's asked a question about Geo, and he's like, yeah, how do you like them Hall apples? You know, all this guy's done is play 24 minutes a night and kill seven minutes a night for us. Is this shining up your pieces? <laughs> Conspiracy. Tinfoil hat time. I would, why wouldn't you? You're right. right. Tell the world how the, great the these guys are. The more value is, everyone has, the better. What, this is, listen, Vancouver Canuck fans, and I know there's a few out there. This is the opposite of what you do. Uh, with, like, with Brock, Brock Besser. Besser, right? They're like, this where guy's you, no good. Who you, wants him? Where you turn around and you say, he's no good, but but you'll like him. Mm-hmm. He'll be good for you. Here's, he's th- not this good doesn't for taste us. good. you got to try this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a sales pitch, is it? And I would, I would believe coming off the California road trip earlier on the season, you couldn't give Justin Hall away. Mm-hmm. It changed. Yeah, I, I always think that anytime you have a guy who's shown he can play top competition, is tall, is right-handed, makes $2 million. like there's always value there, but the value used to be I, a fourth-round pick or something, and I, now it he, might be a... Don't you think he has way more value to the Leafs than probably anybody else? See, that's a good point, too. Like, who are you trading How do you him? replace his minutes? Yeah, like, I think you would want to replace him with a better player, but they why wouldn't you... Money. But I think maybe down the lineup a little bit. Like, to me, for a first-rounder. For sure. Done. That's all. But I'm just Are saying that. Like, better with an offensive first defenseman? I don't, uh, I'll, I'll take my chances on taking Klimberg for the playoffs than I know. Justin Hall. You know what it reminds me of when the Leafs chose, they did what I thought they should do and chose Nick Felino over someone like Taylor Hall at the deadline. They prioritized some grit, some checking, some whatever. You know, eh. sometimes just having good players is good. I do. I don't I, know. I'd do that again. That you do that trade ten times, it works out better every other time than it did with that. With yeah, but he was not healthy, and they should have they should have eh. uh, known not better. A Taylor, for not Felino. a Taylor Hall guy. Felino not a Taylor had, guy, but he's Felino had been in a dip long before the Leafs traded for him. So they like, got there were goods, signs. There were signs that he was not healthy, mm. and then he disappeared on him on a couple occasions in the regular season, and then in the playoffs too. Yeah. That, Tough watching that all or nothing. Now, the guy's in like pure pain. He, he, like did he, his best he, for the team. He looks and I'm sure feels better in Boston than he has in probably two or three years. Well, yeah, the fighting. Bruins are the best team on he got earth. A big fight there the other night, Felino. With a with a heavyweight. He fought somebody. I forget really? who it was. Yeah, he was punching with somebody big. Oh, I bet they love Felino in Boston. Was it I don't want to say was it McDermott? Like he was fighting. McDermott's a big, hurt right now. Okay, he was fighting a big guy, like a heavy. I'll I'll look it up. I we have Bordeaux. 
They're they're twenty one and three. The Boston Bruins. Twenty one three and one. They love everyone. Well, they just beat the Avs, who have no one. You know who we love? Yes, I do. Gordon. Yes. Gunner. <laughs> Gunner, we love Brent Gunning. Hello, have- Gord. Hey guys, how are you guys? We're good. How are you? Well, a lot better than last time. I'm not sitting at Scotiabank Arena this time, and the uh, the entertainment goes on in 27 well, million should, decibels because they haven't lost since then, or uh, they haven't lost. Uh, they, they've they've managed consecutive games with points, so something's right. Yeah, a lot of things right. Are Are you surprised at this recent run, or did we always think that this is a team that could challenge for? No president's trophy, albeit uh, without a an electric start out of Boston and New Jersey. Okay, so you know you know what I like about this recent run. So I, to answer your question, Kippy, if you would have told me or anybody would have told you told me the start of the year that okay the Leafs don't have Morgan Riley, Jake Muzz, and TJ Brody, um, I I wouldn't think their chances are pretty good about having a winning record like they have the last little while and and here's where I'm using a bit of a comparable to, to Boston is because you guys are just talking about Boston I found Toronto's one of these teams that's very quick to say oh my god we don't have Jake Muzzin we lost to Columbus we don't have John Tavares we've lost to Montreal this guy's out of, we're battling injuries you got one injury you know you're not Colorado you're not why you got and so all of a sudden now not hearing those kind of excuses, just going out, finding a way to win, like Boston did without Marchand and uh, and McAvoy to start the season. And that's the part, you know, and, and it's hard to get tested this way because you don't lose three defen- your best three defensemen very often, and you throw in guys like Ben in the mix as well, like even more, more depleted. So I like what this team has done with this kind of adversity because it's not – it's not something I remember the last couple of years, you know, having and being able to play through. And I think you know, they, they look to get, you know, they, it's almost like you want to get battle tested. You play through 82 regular season games and a, and a lot of it's vanilla. And they've never really been a dominant team over the 82 games, you know, and that's, has that hurt them in the playoffs or not? Don't know. But I think, you know, this is, this is kind of a, a watershed 10 games about what they did as a team. And to Sheldon Keefe's point about, uh, never mind the defenseman, it's a team concept that the guys as a team of into it. Let's face it, you got to get great goaltending they've been getting. And yet the scorers have also continued to score, but they've been playing this great two-way hockey and everyone else that always wants that moment is seizing the opportunity with more ice time. You know, Gord, one of the perks of talking about the Leafs constantly or any team for a long time is you say everything and eventually you may have a good idea. One of them that's come up on this show is like, Boy, the Leafs forwards are pretty good defensively. I think it's Sam who was saying, you know, who's the worst defensive forward on the Leafs? And to me, you don't even have to answer that specifically unless you want to, Gord. But I want to know your thoughts on maturity. And, like, is it that these guys have been through the battles? They've seen what it's like to lose in the postseason and what costs you? Could all this experience, this awfulness, be contributing to their success now? Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. And you're right. You know, I think, you know, Austin Matthews every year has improved his two-way game. You know, playing center in the NHL at 19, that that's a big task. He, McDavid did it the year before. He did it the next year. And every year's improved. Mitch Marner's getting uh, a lot of deserved credit about being a great two-way player. You always knew John Tavares, you know, did things on, on, on both ends. But I, I think I, I think to your point, Justin, that, yeah, in, in other years – about and, and I thought they really did it against Chicago last year when it looked like um, 
that that they were going in the sewer once again, almost like when Babcock got replaced by Keefe. I mean, they were a loss or two away. And I liked what this young group did as leaders that kind of stopped the bleeding there, turned it around, and you never looked at, is the season going to be a disaster? But the, the regular season also, except for that all-Canadian division year, has never been as great as you think it can. And I just think every year, you know, you're, 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 you're bringing in other leaders like Joe Thornton or somebody else and Wayne Simmons and all. You know, I, I, I like that this leaders group, leadership group seems to have seized the moment about what it takes uh, what they have to sacrifice, what they have to you know, give as a team, and, and whether they play consciously as individuals or not, they're doing less of that. And, and I, I think, yeah, I think year after year after year that always something lacking at the end, they've really bought into this in this particular case. So you are one to believe that compared to even last year, and there's a lot of, there are comparables here. They had a terrific Novembers. They had a, one of the hottest goaltenders in the league, Jack Campbell last year, Matt Murray this year. But you are the, of the belief that this one feels different this time. Yeah, absolutely, Kippy. You know, I, I go back to when Joel Quenville was coaching Chicago and they got that start and maybe it was Matthews and Marner's second year. I'm not sure. And Tavares had just come or, you know, whatever. I'm just trying. And, and, and Joel just said, um, Man, this reminds me a lot of my guys uh, many years ago before we won three Stanley Cups in Chicago. And never quite got the same. It was like this this great, like it was like a, this great rock tour in October and November. And then never never quite the same over a regular season you know ne- never a complete 82 game package and i uh, i i've 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 got that mojo again i know in the all canadian division the closest was when they won in edmonton three times with three different goaltenders right. and almost had three shutouts they just fell one shutout you know one goal game they got let one goal against but even then you know because it was probably the weakest division out there it it just didn't seem to prepare you better to be able to hold a lead in the playoffs that year and I think I think in this case this is really doing the trick as far as trying to become more playoff prepared as far as this you know as far as seizing what Joel Quenville talked about all those years ago and I haven't seen enough of you know it's really tough when things are going well like this to project where the problems will be and make changes to get out ahead of them you almost have to wait and let things play out with you know, the goaltending situation right now is a great example. Matt Murray looks like a world beater right now. He looks like a guy who's won Stanley Cups. You know, do you see something in the way he's playing that, I guess, brings you back to his old form? Do you have the belief that this is sustainable or, you know, goalies have blips in the NHL? Where are you on his play so far? Yeah, you know, because, Justin, it's funny. You remember, and Kippy remembers well, like, how many years ago was it Leafs had that run and they were playing Carolina, and it's like, in the playoffs, uh, don't bring Matt Sundin back. Everything's fine, okay? You know, Carl Pelash on defense. Don't, <laughs> hey, don't don't tinker with stuff. You know, Nathan Dempsey. Like, you know, just just this is this is the future, and, and uh, so you can get a little bit, you know, a uh, little bit out there when you when you take this ride and not break it down. Like, hey. Justin, what if Matt Murray plays ordinary against Dallas? We're not talking about the other things. They're down 2 nothing. You know, basically that one power play, uh, Dallas should have scored probably three times. They're, they're, you know, they should have scored a shorthand goal when the Leafs gave them all the two-on-ones and the three-on-one. So in a lot of ways, that, that changes completely the narrative of that game. So, yeah, if you start getting substandard goaltending, you're mm-hmm. in a hell of a problem. Now, what, what I like, I always use the word, Justin, deportment. I don't know. There's an intangible about looking at a goaltender. They have different styles. I understand that. But 
people, whatever their style may be. Uh, I, I, I like the presence or deportment, whatever. And, and that exactly is what, what Matt Murray is reminding me of the guy that played so well in Pittsburgh, the guy that killed it in the American hockey league, this prospect I didn't really know about, but then you couldn't ignore with his stat with his stats in Wilkes-Barre all those years ago. And so that's the part that's been really encouraging. Now, will he remain healthy? Um, we got to hope he does. I, th- I, th- I think we were skeptical how quickly he got hurt, given that's been what's ha- his track record the last couple of years. But boy, you know, yeah, and again, no excuses. It's not, oh, well, you know, give Matt Murray time. He's new. He's just coming off injury. He needs two or three games. No, no, no more excuse. When you, when you, when you win, you, you overcome injuries. You co- overcome other things. You don't make excuses. We're talking to the star of Leaf Nation pre- and post-game, Gord Stellick. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, well, Brent Gunning, too. But, yeah, I can't argue. It should be Gord Stelic with Brent Gunning in small letters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, when we talk about that blue line and uh, the narrative prior to this uh, great run was they need two defensemen, maybe three. Uh, have you seen enough to say that uh, maybe it's uh, not as bad as we thought and maybe – some tweaking here and there, but no major surgery come trade deadline. Okay, so you look at the Columbus game last night at home, and I remember, I forget how many years, it was a Saturday afternoon where Chuck Fletcher was the GM of the Minnesota Wild, and they had a Saturday afternoon game, game against Boston. And it was such an ugly game at home, he fired Mike Yo after the game. I'm not saying Columbus is going to do that, but I mean, man, you have something like that, and and then they have a few, then 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 your thinking changes in a hurry. And and Kippy, um, that overused expression, stopping the bleeding. Like if the if the Leafs had three or four ugly games with these injuries, then 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 I I could see Kyle and his gang, you know, needing to look to do something they really didn't want to do. To I'm not saying like trade, you know, first round pick or trade, you know, Mitch Martin or Austin Matthews. I just mean like you know, go after a tra- kind of trade that they really weren't entertaining, and uh, you know, not an Igor, not not an Ilya Labushkin trade, like bigger than that. And the fact they've 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 stayed the course now, and T.J. Brody expected back, and you know, I mean, the other two are, are down the road. I mean that that's a huge huge plus, and seeing how Giordano, the veterans, come up, and Sandine and Lilligren, the kids, have come up. So that has totally taken away that that pressure. I mean, body wise. You know, Connor Timmons, that was a tough game to play in. Uh, he had his good moments. He had his own other moments where you could see where he was rusty. But, you know, those are the kind of some NH- – it seems like if you just have some NHL-type bodies that can get you through, uh, that that can stay the court. I like Klingberg. I heard you talking earlier. I mean, that's a guy I liked regardless. You know, expiring contract, Anaheim's going to be a seller. I mean, that's a, that's the kind of guy that I could see a team that the Leafs should be – or at least should be interested in, and a few teams will. But – they have done Kyle Dubas a huge favor the last 10 days. Instead of us talking, oh, he's got to do something now. I mean, you know, Morgan Riley's gone for a few weeks. Jake Muzzin may not come back. Uh, that that stuff, that's on the back burner now. When you're talking about bigger trades, you know, the Leafs only have so many chips. And we kind of mulling this one around over the course of the season. How's Nick Robertson going? Does he have value outside of uh, Toronto? Kipper, you wrote about him today. Yeah, I got an article on him uh, in the Toronto Star today, and just just the challenges, uh, Gord, of of a guy like that trying to make it as a as a regular. So Toronto Star, so like you and Damian Cox, like do you guys go like have a wine and cheese party, and you have like a a, a, a blazer with uh, with with patches on the shoulders and mascot, <laughs> and you, you sift your brandy, uh, and you have yeah. smoke a pipe. Is that the? Do I have the no. right picture, Kipper? Uh, when I left sports, that a lot of people lost my number. 
And uh, <laughs> I, I do believe he was one of them. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll broker a peace accord with you and Damien. Okay, I'll look at that. You guys, maybe the Toronto Star Christmas party, you guys can do it. But uh, uh, so... So what? Sorry, your article is you're, you're saying he should be used for trade uh, or no, what? No, no, no. It's just it's really a reflective piece because I I can actually kind of relate coming out of junior once upon a time scored sixty goals. Yeah. I thought my hands would follow me to the pro level. It didn't. How does a guy like that buy himself time until his hands do catch up? What are the challenges, uh, including perhaps winning? a coach over and I'm not sure where Sheldon is when he when when you when he wants to look at where his value is as a player for him personally and where Kyle may have him a lot of different challenges did you ever have a scenario when you were with the Leafs the name Merwa Daniel Merwa who is a a real nice scorer um you know is that a, a fair comparable to a guy coming out of junior yeah you know and Merwa um um Scored well. He came out of junior, played a little bit at Newmarket, a little bit with Leafs, you know, at the end of a season. And and pretty well from the word go. I remember he was on a line with Vinny Downfoos and Dave Reed, you know, did it. And unfortunately, back injuries are what kind of knocked him out of it. You know, there's other guys like Steve Ludzig and Guy Carboneau that had phenomenal numbers. Now, they had to learn to play a bit of a different game because there was, you know, Denny Savard in Chicago and Montreal had everybody in the world. So I... I um, so I'm trying to think of a good comp because you actually are a good comparable, Kippy, because I watched you play junior and then in, in the pros. And so I don't. But the one thing I don't think Nick Robertson he, he doesn't have to find a different game to be on a, a be on a checking line. And, uh, and yeah, and and different guys that you know took uh, a little bit of time. I mean, probably you know probably Vinny Domfus. Now I talk about it. again. I'm going back a long time. And one thing about him, he was playing center. We moved him to the wing, and that was the spot for him. And he and he had a real good NHL. Career career there but I, I I just find that there's got there's certain guys that when you score goals and I think more so nowadays Kippy because it's more wide open out there that you know if you got an ability to score goals uh, and if you work at and other things generally you, you find that again you know you, you you find a way to do it by and large in the NHL and I, I in Nick Robertson's case like you threw out about um, got to get a coach that embraces you and and uh, I don't know what Sheldon Keefe's doghouse is quite like uh, I, I know Pierre Engvall is a guy he's been a little bit hard on. There's nothing wrong with that. I know Willie Nylander was in Babcocks all the time, and he really couldn't care less, whatever. You know, he <laughs> handles it well. But 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 uh, it does seem like Nick Robertson, whatever those things are that Sheldon Keefe alluded to, you know, that he's liked Holmberg and other guys better than Nick Robertson. But I, I just, uh, uh, like, like, like I said, I know some of those flashes in the pan. And, you know, back then, the physicality of the game quite often ran some guys out that, you know, all of a sudden they scored goals and, and when it got real physical, they really couldn't do it. But, um, but uh, I, yeah, as far as a leaf comparable, hmm, I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay. And then I'll throw this out to both you guys. Can I have your number too? I'll give it to Damien. So I'll get right back to you. Okay. Good. Thank God you didn't lose my number. That's all I can say. Um, I'll throw this out to both of you guys. How important is it between now and uh, and the end of the year that there's just somebody, if it's not going to be Robertson, and Bunting's got a nice little, I think, streak going of a point a game for the for the, for the last, I think, two weeks, two and a half mm. weeks. But does does somebody have to step up that isn't one of your forty million dollar four forwards here to to just alleviate some of that pressure that it seems to be constantly on yeah. a, a McDavid and a Dreisaitl, sure. you know, 
like, can, can I have a night off when I don't have to score two or three points oh. or, or play 23 minutes of heavy hockey? Yeah, the plan was not for Pierre Engvall to score twice or Alex Kerfoot to score twice or Nick Robertson to score twice in one game and then never again. Like, you're right. There is a, a massive weight for someone else to show up. I mean, the Leafs have had success when their top guys have been good, but you got to think it's coming at some point. Gord, you like anyone in the bottom six? You see any signs of life down there? Okay, yeah, we need our Nick Paul guy. Like, we need a Nick Paul right. to get a key goal. Like, And again, I go back to Gary Volk all those years ago. Like, we need a key goal from one of those guys. And to answer your question, Justin, that's something even before this recent streak started, I've liked. Because the first dozen games going, what is with this Cali Yarncroke guy? Who the hell are these guys? What, what, what's, what's with Mulligan? What, like, why'd they bring him back? Why the fuss? And then I've seen a lot of them, you know, start, start, uh, start kind of to feel their oats, find their way a bit. Because, you know, you got to pick up from Mikheyev's loss last year. You got... I mean, you, you know, those guys, and boy, oh boy, you know, Kerfoot, uh, particularly at the money he makes, like it's been, it's been too long. And that was only a second goal in the empty net. I, I just, you know, you kind of look at it and say, no, no, we, we got to get more than he's delivered the last couple of years. Cause that's, you know, rather than getting that second penalty to put you two men down in that critical sequence. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not knocking his over exuberance, but I guess I am. Uh, and, and the pass back to the defenseman that wasn't there. Like, like, like we needed that timely goal for him. It's not like he's not trying. I get it but you need it from some of those and that's the part some of those other guys I've really the supporting cast the last whatever 15 games or so have found their way because I was completely unimpressed early on and said oh my god where the Leafs are even going to be more of a, a two-line maybe one and a half line team again come the playoffs that this is the way it's going to go does Kerfoot's empty netter the other night count as uh getting the monkey off your back I love that we're just not counting that goal just I, I just <laughs> i i you know may, maybe connecting should have shoved him right after like he did with ovi i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i just uh I, what, what do you think like you know i always love that the leafs last stanley cup uh, the empty net goal is the resonating thing. And Jim Pappen always said, is pissed off, said, George Armstrong gets all that credit. I scored the winning goal, game winning goal with the goalie in the net, right? And uh, <laughs> it's, the, it's the empty net goal. And you know, two great guys we've lost in the last couple of years. So I don't know what an empty net goal means or not. I mean, if it, uh, uh, if it helps him, great. You've got, you, you got to get more out of that. You've got to get more offense out of him. What a skilled skater, but you know, you, he's got to provide more offense. Hey, Gord, have a great call tonight. Really always appreciate you uh, on this show, man. Yep, yep, just looking for you. I'm going to go to Bed Bath & Beyond for you guys. I got some good gifts for you guys, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Gordo. You yep. too, buddy. Yep, see you guys. All right, I'm looking forward to it. He's going to the Beyond section. <laughs> Who knows what's he, what he's picking up for us. Are we going um, to have I'm a gift? I'm getting a candle for sure. Are we having a gift exchange on, uh, on the... Are we? Should we? I don't know. You're the producer. I, I guess, what's our last show, the 21st? I think instead of a price limit, we do a percentage of salary, so Kip gets, has to get us something nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the offensive lineman that buy, like, Tom Brady a car. Brady buys that. Is that what you meant? Yeah, I screwed it up. We got the idea. What's Thanks, he, uh, He's got a contract I, for TV that's comparable to... Oh, Brady. Compared to, yes, comparable Brady. to yours? No, to, oh. to Judd's. Judge, yeah, it's close. For like, TV, he's playing, and he has a TV contract. Yes, waiting three, for him. 300 mil from Fox. That's like the same as I can't Aaron think of someone Judge's I want to listen to less, by the way. Every time Brady talks, I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I know what this guy's going to sell. All right. He had a nice little comeback on Monday. He's good. 
so the thrower of a ball. Does that mean the, the the linemen get a week off from him yelling at them? Here's uh, what's going to happen, yeah. boys. This is a bold NFL. There's prediction. no chance he ends up being an analyst for 10 years. Everyone's been down on them and saying how bad they are and all. Brady's done. Brady's done. They're going to play probably the Cowboys the first round of the playoffs. They're going to beat them. They're going to beat the next team, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Think so? Tom Brady. NFC stinks. Is, is Brady going to sell me water I can drink to prevent concussions because he doesn't, doesn't make enough money? does the rest of the team stink the enough huckster. where Brady can't save them? Bum. They kind of stink. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they've got enough guys, and at the end of the day, he's Tom Brady. You know, he's been in that situation oh, more than yeah. anyone else. Like Just to me, cold as ice. To me, like, everyone's writing them off, and I won't do it because I feel like they're going to go. Maybe not win the Super Bowl. There's too many good AFC teams, but I got a feeling they're going. All right. There you go. Like There's an team. NFL prediction for you. And besides the uh, the Leafs tonight, uh, there's an NFL game Thursday night. You're gonna play uh, my new app. I am, but the, God, it's a bad game, Kip. Rams and Raiders. Yeah, they both stink. Baker Mayfield maybe for the Rams tonight. So, but I'll be playing. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here, as promised. Uh, Luke Robitaille, one of the most uh, gifted scorers in NHL history, will join us, in including I hope will be a a story of his draft day for for Sammy. Love it. After the break, we're right back. Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, as promised, one of my favorite people. Not because he was this great goal scorer. He just yeah. made me laugh. Okay. That's all I know. I got a chance to spend some time with him as a New York Ranger. And now he is just completely running the show for the Los Angeles Kings as a president. And I'm here with Sammy and (laughs) JB. Life is not fair. Let's welcome in Luke Robitaille. Lucky, how are you? Wait a minute. What do you mean life is not fair? (laughs) Well, you're in California and I'm looking at gray skies. I'll live with that. Uh, hold on, let me let me look outside. Uh, yeah, it's blue and there's not one cloud. Uh, palm trees. Uh, no, the ocean. You got the ocean there too, don't you? <laughs> it rained last week and we celebrated it. Oh. <laughs> hey, uh, I work with younger guys here, and they uh-huh. uh, they don't understand how a guy can uh, come within a whisker of fourteen hundred points was the top scoring left winger in history, I guess, until OV took over here. But how Sammy McKee, my producer goes, uh, is this a typo? He's the ninth uh, round draft choice of the LA Kings. Is that a typo? <laughs> it's not a typo. I was there. I waited from one o'clock till 7 PM to hear my name at the Montreal forum. <laughs> I, I, Listen, I told them it's one of the best stories ever. And this is like you. Now, you weren't, you didn't think you were going to be a high pick, but you didn't also think you were going to go in the ninth round. Can you just go into a little bit of detail on, on, on what your day was like, including what they uh, gave you after you, you went to the, uh, the draft yeah, table. Yeah, yeah I, I'll, I'll make it quick uh, uh, because I know your time is very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, and yours, <laughs> apparently. Uh, no, but uh, 
Yeah, so so you know, I knew I knew I was in rank, and and that, that I picked that was the year we had a really bad team my first year in junior. So I don't think a lot of uh, scouts came to see our team, and that was Mario's year. That was his draft year, and um, so everybody was you know always seeing the Mario Lemieux and Laval, and he, I think he played his home games on Monday night, and and uh, you know the, we were one of those team that was never viewed, and. Um, and so I had kind of read my name in the paper a couple of times, but I didn't know. And I do remember in the morning I told, I asked my dad, I go, I don't think I should wear a, a suit and tie. I go, well, what if I don't get drafted or something? So I wore the nicest khaki pants that I had in a golf shirt. <laughs> and, and, and then we, we didn't, you, I, I can't remember. We didn't have tickets to get in the form in those days, but the, the top, all the, the, the high rank picks would sit in, in the red and, and the fans could sit in the whites and the blues. So my dad and I, and we, we sat in the, in the whites at the old Montreal farm. And then, you know, the draft kept going and a couple of my teammates, they were ranked higher. Their name wasn't coming up. So we would talk. And this is the year where Mario said, if I don't have a contract, I'm not going to show up mm-hmm. on, on, on the podium. And, and I think, for some reason, it seemed like Pittsburgh was surprised that he didn't go. So there was like a delay there, and it seems to be forever. And then after that, there were a couple other delays, and then there was like a meal in between. And I, I, I recall hearing my name, I think it was around 6, 7 o'clock, because everything was in one day. And um, the funniest thing is Rogi Vachon went at number eight, and he said Luke, but he said it in French, you know, because he's speaks French, which it sounds Luke. And then he stopped, and a scout ran at him, and and he changed the name. And the guy's name was a guy that played in Midget AAA. His name was Shannon Deegan. So they drafted him. So then the next round he drafted. They must. Someone must have said, "Don't worry, no one's going to pick him between eight and nine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, when I ran downstairs and the policeman wouldn't let me on the floor, but Pierre Lacroix recognized me and he said, "No, no, it's okay. The kid just got drafted." So they thought the you were a fan. Step on. Yeah, he thought I was a fan, and and then Pierre Lacroix said, "Congratulations, Luke!" And so I went to the to the uh, the, the Kings table, and no one was there. I, there must have been in a break, another break or something. <laughs> there was one guy there. His name was John Wolf, and he says, uh, "He says, who are you?" I said, "Well, I'm Luke Robitaille." And he goes, "Yeah." And I go, "You just drafted me." He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Congratulations!" <laughs> and he's looking, and I'll never forget. He looks under the table. There was a box that was empty. He goes. I don't have any hats or anything for you, but he then he says, um, but he go here and he he had a pin on his jacket and he gave me the pin <laughs> and I found it when my uh, when my dad passed away I found the pin so I put it in my office as a oh. reminder you know funny enough but but the funny the, the the one more quick thing is he said do you have an agent and I'm like no I don't have an agent I mean not even one agent ever talked to me so he said okay he says. Uh, Here's a piece of paper. You go, why don't you write uh, your name, your address, and phone number and everything. We'll get to you about camp information. But I didn't really speak well English, so I kept answering yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> so I wrote down my address. And I remember I went through the whole month of July, never got anything. I told my dad, I think I gave him the wrong address. <laughs> like I was convinced that like I had the wrong address. <laughs> Finally, the, the invite came, but that was my story to draft. It was all, it's great memories, though. Hey, anything like that happened to any of your prospects uh, presently anymore? Is there any chance that a, a story like that could ever happen again? 
No, like everybody's so, it's so different. Andy, it's organized now. The whole world is different. I don't think that could ever happen again. <laughs> I mean, I just like what, you know, I genuinely am curious how you can have 190 points or whatever it was. Maybe your draft year is 150. Did they not go to games? They not have video? What happened no, here? No, no. <laughs> no my, 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 my draft year, I had like 85 points. Like I led okay, yeah, our yeah. team in scoring. But like I said, we had a really bad team. So then the next year, I got like 150, something like that. Then 190 my third year. But I, by that time, I was drafted. Right, okay. So you go yeah. to the Los Angeles Kings in 86, 87. This is Justin Bourne. My dad was Bob Bourne, who was on that team while you, while you were there. And one of my oh, first... You, oh, you, that's awesome. I love your dad. <laughs> yeah, that's great. One of my first memories on Earth, and this is no joke, is them having me put baby powder in the blow dryer when you were coming out of the shower so they could, you know, turn on after a fresh shower, blow dryer full of baby powder in the hair. I mean, what was it like at that point being a rookie in the league, you know, going into, you know, a place like Los Angeles and all that after coming off a big year? Was it, uh, was it easy for you? Was there a lot of hazing? Well, I was lucky my, my first year. So what happened is that they were they were definitely hazing. and uh, But when we started the year, it was Steve Deshane, myself, and Jimmy Carson. And Steve Deshane had gotten, I mean, Kippy, you remember hearing the stories. Like, this is even before us a little bit where guys would get shaved. And it, 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 was, it wasn't comfortable, you mm-hmm. know? And... So I remember we're playing, and then when we started the year, Jimmy and I, we were the leading scorer of the team. So Marcel Dion had said, let's leave the kids alone, you know, just because, you know, we we're trying to win games. But at some point, we got to Winnipeg. And in those days, we used to go to Winnipeg, and we would play Friday and Sunday in Winnipeg. And the Saturday was in between. And I remember we're shooting. We, we, we were practicing on Saturday. We won Friday. And uh, and next thing you know, there was no one on the ice. So Steve, Deshane, except for Jimmy Carson, myself, and Steve still shooting pucks, Steve Deshane comes to me because he had played in the minor the year before. He goes, I know it. I know it. This is the day they're going to initiate us. <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, so he goes to me, he goes, I'd rather be first than last. And he sprints off the ice. So I'm like, I see him sprinting off. And I look at the other end, Jimmy, Jimmy's shooting pucks. And I think to myself, well, I'd rather be second than last. <laughs> so I sprinted. I was a poor skater, but I sprinted as fast as I could. And I went up, and, and the guys had decided in the room they were only going to touch one rookie, and it was going to be the last one off the ice. Oh. Luckily for me, and unlucky. And then what happened is they kind of did a bunch of you know things to Jimmy. And, and, and then Jimmy went on a 10-game scoring slump. So then, like maybe like two weeks later, the guys were talking. We got we got we got to do something for the other two guys. But I think I think our coach was Mike Murphy at the time, and, and Murph came in the room. He goes, "No one's touching the rookies because Jimmy had gotten in a slump and he was leading our team in scoring." <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got saved for a while, okay, and then just when like later around, sorry, it wasn't Mike, it wasn't Mike Murphy, it was Pat Quinn, because later in the year when they were they were starting to talk again, hey, listen, we got to do something for those two rookies. We didn't do anything. Just as they were talk, that's when Pat Quinn left, and Mike Murphy ended up being our coach. So we got saved by different events during the year, and then at the end of the year, Jay Wells, I think, came to me and says. 
you guys didn't get anything. You got to buy a radio. And I, I was half with Yeah, no I problem. Like a, a big boom box. <laughs> Way to go, Wellesy. Oh, my gosh. Do we have to talk about current players now? I love your stories. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we do. Okay, who's, who's, who's the next Luke Robitaille in, in, in your uh, organization here? Oh, uh, they're all better than me. <laughs> uh, you know, no, we we got a lot of kids coming up, that, and uh, you know, we're we're probably in a different situation than sometimes other teams. We we have so many good prospects, and and we're working, but we're our ownership group and our plan as an organization is we've been allowed to be patient with them, and that's the hardest thing to do. But, like, uh, even, uh, you know, the kid, Kaliev, who's a great goal scorer, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're still not playing. Like, he's finally playing, like, uh, some top minutes, but it's only been a couple games. You know, before that, he's been on the fourth line, and he's producing on the power play and so forth. But we're being patient. We've been patient with Gabe Velarde. We have this other kid, Sammy Fagamo, that uh, is, a, is a really good goal scorer. He led the World Juniors in scoring, I think it was two or three years ago. You know, and then we're still, you know, being patient with Quinton Byfield and Alex Turcott and, you know, Tyler Madden. I mean, you know, it goes on for us. And we, we're kind of fortunate that we have this opportunity right now to do that. But we have a lot of good young kids that are going to be really good impact players in the NHL. I'm going to share some quotes that are going to make Sam McKee, our producer, upset, who loves this guy. Sean Dursey says he has more than 200 people coming to the game tonight. He says a very expensive game for him. A lot of people excited for to see him. It's an expensive night. Uh, you know, pumped to be here in Toronto, uh, where he's from. Tell us about Dursey and how he's been for the Los Angeles Kings. The first thing is if he paid for 200 tickets, I'm going to have a talk with the kid. Yeah. You can't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I you think Jimmy did. Carson went into a slump? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's uh, he's been really good for us. Sean has been an impact player. I mean, his vision and the way he sees the he sees the ice. Uh, you know, he's running one of our power play units, and they've been really, really good. And and what we like the most about him is the. Uh, the uh, emotion that he brings into a game. Like he's, you know, you see guys getting mad at him. He gets involved after the whistle and he plays to win. So he's been a very, very special player and we're very fortunate to have him. He he came up last year and saved us when Drew was hurt. And uh, he's never looked back ever since. And he, even this year, when we're playing on the left side, that's not his normal place. And, he, and the kids figure it out and he's been really good for us. We're talking to Hall of Famer Luke Robitaille and president of the LA Kings. You might be the perfect guy for me to ask you this question, uh, Lucky. And that is when we watch some superstars now take all the two minutes on a power play. And I think, you know, when I watch your team, I still get a little bit of a sense that there's two units uh, that you guys have. And do you recall in your days over the years, you're scoring 600 plus goals, um, that that was the case back then? Or are you a believer that you do need two units to go out there and just just for no other reason alone to, to keep the competitive juices? Or is this the way it's going right now where these stars are going to take whatever they need to get their cookies? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think every situation is different. I mean, you got some teams like, look, if you got an Ovechkin on your team and and the way, I'm not gonna say he just stands there and shoot, but like you know the way he positions himself and so forth. If I'm a coach or if I'm management, yeah, I want him out there because he's the most dangerous player in the league, you know. And if Austin Matthews stays a little bit longer because he's, uh, you know, he's such a great goal scorer. And the same goes with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're very, very special players. Now, that being said, does that mean it's pretty rare if you do that all the time that you're going to be able to win all the way to the end, you know what I mean? Because you've got to have a certain type of discipline as a team. Now, it does. I think some of those guys, like, uh, you know, I, we played in the playoffs against uh, – Against Edmonton and last year, and uh, we couldn't wait for uh, for the coach to to get McDavid off the ice to put the second unit. You know, right. like, oh, thank God we can breathe a little bit. So, so strategically, strategically, he was he was keeping him on, and I thought that was that was really smart. Can you do that the whole year? I don't think so. I remember watching Sydney, you know, and he God, he, he's still in his prime, which is amazing, but. Sydney was the one guy. After a minute, he would get off the ice, and 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 when you get near the end of the year, you you're more of a team than other teams, and that does make a difference. But that being said, there's a few very special players in our league that we're fortunate to see. That yeah, I think a lot of times, especially you're down a goal. Now, if you're up five two, it should be one minute, no questions asked. You should have two units all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've seen it, Kippy. I mean. Like uh, when when uh, when the Rangers needed a big goal, if Mess stayed uh, longer, no one said anything because we knew Mess was going to make be the difference maker. But that being said, like you know, in the first period and in, in the mid January, you know, yeah, the guy should get up. You should have two units at all times. Luke, in the salary cap era, one of the only ways to really turn your franchise around is to kind of struggle for a little while and get some draft picks. The problem is a lot of teams have failed to draft well, turn things around, and, you know, look at the Sabres. They've been kind of scuffling for years now. How has your organization been able to turn it around in fairly short order and get back to being a playoff team and competitive so quickly? Well, I think you you have to set a plan, and you, the first person that needs to be on board is obviously your owner, and then you got to stick to it. And the hardest thing is to stick to it because, mm-hmm. you know, people – you know, you get pressure and, and like, uh, you know, people talk and, and social media, like I, I joke with people, social media is, is your kitchen. You know, like if you think uh, when Kippy was a player, which was a long, 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 Thank long, you. long, yeah. you know, <laughs> like someone, someone would say that Kiprios, what, like you come after the game in your kitchen, you say, Kiprios, what an idiot. He, he didn't dump it in there and he, he made a mistake in his own zone. Today, the kitchen is, is social media. You know, you just write it up and you don't realize it influences hundreds or thousands of people. You know, so so that's the one thing you can't let that influence you when you have a, a goal or plan as an organization. And it's really hard. It's really hard to, to live it day in and day out because it's very easy to question any decision that's made. And I think what we've done for us is uh, we're, we're all – part of the same plan and we always remind each other even though when things are up and down and that we got to go back to what we set out to do and and at the same time 
I give credit to to Rob Blake and and his crew. Like where they strategically, you know, were looking for a guy to help us on the second line or first line, and he got Arvidsson early on because it made sense that we were playing and did know. And they, these guys have really made did big difference maker. And then at the same time, they're teaching our young guys the way to play. Hey, can you be a guest on our show every week? <laughs> so, so you don't do any work? <laughs> yes. Actually, you come here and I'll go out to California for yeah. a week. I could use a break. Lucky, Lucky deal. <laughs> uh, so appreciate your time and, and your storytelling and uh, reminiscing a little bit. Thanks for doing this and wish you the best right, of luck great. in your team. All right. Thank you, guys. Great Thanks talking so to you. Appreciate it, Luke. Lucky Luke Robotai, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion, president all around. Good, funny guy. I, uh, that's the best a president of an NHL team will ever be on any show. 100% agree. I'm dying I, back here. I, hey, I didn't oversell no, that great. draft story, no, didn't amazing. I? It's amazing. We're talking about one of the best players in the history of the game. Yeah. Legitimately a all-time guy. And he, they thought he was a fan. And they thought, hey, you can't come on the floor. No, 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 I Here's got drafted. No, Here's no, it was my name. It's a pin I'm wearing. Uh, listen, we're out of jerseys, hats. And, uh, you know, you just think about the era difference of where you give someone your address, and if a letter is off in the address, you're going to miss training camp. Like, oh, man, that was awesome. I just, <laughs> I love, he was talking about his junior team being really good the, the last year that he was there, the 54 and 18. You know who the head coach was? No. Of the Hall Olympic. Imagine if I did. It's Pat Burns. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 85, 86. He yep. was the head coach. And uh, the leading scorer on that team was not Luke Robitaille. It was a man named uh, Guy Rilieu, or Rolieu. 91 had- goals and 100 assists that year. And didn't play in the league? Wasn't drafted, didn't play in the league. 91 goals. 91 so, tucks. I know we got to go to break soon here, but my, my, my piece in the Toronto Star today is mm-hmm. on nick robertson and i i have played with guys that scored 60 plus goals that again it's just it's not a given like a lot of right. like okay none of them ended up you know I, I mentioned three or four uh that never became household names in the nhl yeah. that's 60 goal scorers in the ohl and they were just scoring stars and it's just not a given mm-hmm. that a guy like nick robertson can score 55 i think in peterborough and expect that it's just going to be there for him uh, right away. Sometimes it, it you have to wait for it, and sometimes, lo and behold, it never comes at all. You know what decision looks really bad in retrospect? Is him not going back to the U.S. during the pandemic to play in the World Juniors. Like, to go be the guy for you, he's American, you know, to go play for them. And he stayed here because he wanted to play in the NHL. That was his goal. He trained with everyone. Okay, but uh, is that all on Nick, or where, where's no, it's not. It's, is it on the Good Leafs? Point. Good point by you. Yeah, uh, they should be like, look, where go, were the Leafs? Go be the where guy. were the Leafs on that, and how hard did they encourage it or push it, one way or the other? Good question. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just feel like I don't know where you. Where do you guys fall on guys leaving their NHL teams to go back to the World Juniors, even if they're established NHLers? Well, we've got news that uh, officially that Seattle is uh, loaned. Shane Wright. Shane Wright to the World Juniors, and I know for a fact that uh, they made it clear to them that we want him at the very start. We're putting a team together. 
we we don't need him coming in at the last did. second here and upsetting the oh, chemistry. You know what? And the, I, I would tell them, listen, building. Canada. Yeah, it, you, we'll tell you when you get Shane right. Okay. Well, listen, uh, I, I don't think it was written in stone. I think they'd still take him a yeah. week from now or but two they, weeks they from now. They just wanted him. They okay. just wanted it wasn't a demand. Yeah, I don't know if it was a demand. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I I don't blame them for saying that. No, we I want don't to build camaraderie. We want them to get to know each other. There's there's early bonding uh, situations. We want him here at the beginning. So we knew that Shane Wright was going to go play the game in Montreal because that meant a lot to him. Yep. And then after that, he was going to go and join the World Juniors. Awesome. I I really think this is a great chance for him to be exposed to the NHL, be exposed to the American League, go be the guy at the World Juniors. Like, this is actually a really good front half of development for a guy like him, think, I think. Do you think they look at it, like, as a demotion at all? Like going the players? Down, the player. Like, being like, ah, oh, okay. Like, how many... Is this his third right. World Junior? Yeah. Uh, He's like, not a lot of guys playing three, you know? Listen, like, it's like... He's watching some other peers. It's hockey. He gets to go play hockey. Nah, no, there's a letdown. For sure. For sure there's a letdown. Even you 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 think you've spent your whole life dreaming person, I can see of that. this. Yeah. He wants to be in the NHL. He wants to be a star. And it's coming. You hope it's coming. It's, it's probably a, a, a real good test for his character building here. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody wants to be on three or four teams when it's all said and done in one year. No, you don't. So this will be his third team. If he gets sent back to junior, his rights will be traded from Kingston to a contending team. That's that's four teams. Yeah. So, but he, I think, he, I can, just, he, he can't control no. Seattle's uh, lack of commitment to a roster spot. And I know it's not comparable player-wise, but I can't help but think of Mason Marchment when he was with the Marlies and how they kept him. They said, the best thing for this guy isn't to play games yet. He needs to work on his body. He needs to go to the ECHL. He needs... They, you know, they worked on his development, and for Shane Wright, I think the best thing is not for him to just toil in the NHL playing six minutes, banging his head against the wall. So yeah, it's not ideal, but he's not ready to play in the league as is. He needs to get better. So this is good for him. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and after uh, we'll come back with Andrew Peters, former NHLer, uh, currently on Player Cast on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. And I want to say this: I watched you guys last night. You had Calgary uh, on my station. Yep. I'm watching up until I start hearing Tage Thompson news. Mm. Uh, David Amber goes, "Oh, he." He scored five goals. He's going to break the record, the right? Mo- the most DA taken right? of all. If you're like right DA. away, Dave Amber. Oh no, no, he's going to break the record, and and then so. people are starting to uh, hashtag Sittler watch because everybody Me. thinks he's going to break uh, Daryl Sittler's ten point record in a I- game. So I switch over. I <laughs> see no goals and maybe the worst. Hockey I've seen all season long between Buffalo and Columbus for 20 minutes in that third period where he didn't get a sniff. And then they shut him down the last five minutes. (laughs) That's a tough match to watch. You caught a bad piece of an otherwise bad game. So after the break, we're going to talk to Andrew Peters about that tremendous 40 minutes that we saw last night in Columbus. Right on. But Tage is holding up. The real Kipper and Bourne's nickname of Tage Lemieux. Oh, yeah. More on that after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. This is 
Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne back. Sammy's working on Andrew Peters, and we're just going to we're going to bring in uh, PD just to give us a, a little feel for uh, Tage Thompson's new life. Yeah. And it, like it one of those kind of guys that had a good year last year, mm-hmm. but it's Buffalo and he's never really done it before. Then we hear of a, a massive contract where Kevin Adams, general manager of Buffalo, is hedging on the fact that uh, – his 35-goal season last year was something that he's going to see for the next 8, 10 years, and yeah. here's 50-plus million. Now, I mean, within a quarter of a season, it looks like one of the best contracts in the NHL. The guy's 24 years old. He's yeah. got 21 goals in 26 games, 6'6", yeah, 220. Six, it's interesting, too. I think, you know, Sportsnet gets all the stars together at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and I think there was a clip of... Austin Matthews talking about uh, who could be a next great player, who should we look out for, and he goes Tage Thompson. Yeah, and that was preseason. Uh, Nailed it. But Austin would have had probably a a better, more accurate look, seeing how as miserable as uh, Buffalo's season was last year, they they kicked Toronto's ass. Like, he saw the best out of Buffalo and probably Tage Thompson last year uh, because the Leafs had trouble with the Buffalo Sabres. Thompson's making 1.4 this year, by the way. But you're right. He what, it kicks into what next year? Next year, he starts making 7.1, about 7.142. Um, pretty decent. So, yeah, the uh, – sorry, do we have Petey? We have Petey. All right. Andrew Peters joins us now, part of the brand new player cast on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. Uh, Petey, how are you, pal? Guys, it's great to be on with you today. How's it going? Well, we're good. You know, we've had a lot of Tage Thompson love a lot earlier than his five goals last night. But the Tage show. Where Where is this heading for a guy like this? Uh, and how high is his ceiling here, Petey? Well... Uh, what was it? Were you going to say something, Borny? No, no. Just want to follow oh. up with Kippy on, on the ceiling there. Well, here's the thing, right? So before he signed his contract, Craig and I talked about this all the time on our podcast. And I was, I was so against signing Tage Thompson when they did for the money they did. And it has nothing to do with Tage Thompson. It has nothing to do with... Uh, whether or not I thought he was capable of repeating what he did last year. I just was thinking, what if, what if that was a flash in the pan? What if it was a fluke and now you've got this guy locked in at seven something and maybe he produces at a $4 million rate. Well, now you got a, Now you got an issue on your hands, but what he's done this season. Oh my God. I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's on pace for what? 120 points right now. I mean, can he can he sustain that? He hasn't slowed down since he started, but I'm wondering now if he's a 50 goal guy and a 110, 115 point guy. But he's he's he might be one of the most dominant players right now in the NHL. So I can absolutely say 
with certainty that I was 100% wrong when I was thinking, you know, don't sign into that deal. But again, you know, it's, it's always a risk, but I mean, he's, he is going to outperform that contract and how much money did he leave? I think you should fire his agent, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All of a sudden his, like, his agent uh, looked like a, a guy that uh, created a highway robbery. No and now yes. he should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from the, the greatest age in the world to being the worst, the worst evaluator of talent yeah. to maybe ever go down in the history of the game. Because think of this: if he gets 120, if he gets 105 points, if he gets 100 points, that's a 10 million dollar player at least. Yes. Right. Yeah. So he's leaving $3 million on the table times seven. That's 21, plus the eighth year that he didn't take in the deal. There's another 10. So he's leaving $25 million bucks on the table right there, you know? So that's step into my office because you're fired. <laughs> I, I, I know some people don't care once you get to a certain amount of statistic, but, but how is his all-around game? Does he defend well? Is he two-way as well? Well, he's still, I mean, the whole team is still working on that. They're giving up a bunch of goals and chances, but... I mean, he's – my biggest question about Cade was, was he a legitimate centerman? Not was he capable of putting up the points. And he is – he's exceeded expectations from the centerman position. He's a bona fide number one center. And he's playing against the other team's top lines, and he's, he's dominating the league. Now, granted, he's killing it on the power play, but, I mean, Ovechkin's going to be the greatest goal scorer of ever, ever, and – and he has the most power play goals ever, but we're not going to hang that over his head. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's still growing in that, in that role, but the, he's leaps and bounds better than he was last year. So he's just, he's just taken a, a major step into, into superstardom, in my opinion. When we score goals, we often said, me and you, it's not how, it's how many, but I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the how. With this guy, that's pretty good. And he's got 21, but it's the how that I, I'm, I've been marveling all year long. If he's not looking like Ovechkin on the one timer off the off the circle, he is looking like Mario Lemieux uh, with this huge range, east to west. Petey, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Thirty yeah. Lemieux. Just hold on. Lemieux Just, uh, is my favorite player. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's Mario like. And last year he, he had thirty eight. Last year, Petey, did any of them look like the ones that we're seeing this year? No, uh, you know, if he's like you said, if he's not ripping them from the one time or top of the circles, they're highlight reel stick handling. You know, pulling the puck around goalies so far away from the goalie that the they get out of position, then he brings it back and just stuffs it inside the post. I mean, he showed a play. He demonstrated that skill. There was a play. It was three years ago in Detroit. And I just remember watching. He didn't score on the play, but he stick handled. So It was unbelievable the moves that he made and, and how it was so in tight to his body and then reaching out wide. And he ended up missing the top corner, but he, he just, he, he's, he's grown and he's bigger. He's stronger. And he, I, I love the, the, the Lemieux comparison. And, and I, I hate to put that kind of pressure on him, but from the standpoint of optics, 
I mean, you throw a 66 on that guy, and you're going to be you're going to be saying to yourself, that looks like Mario Lemieux. Now, he's never going to be Mario Lemieux, ever. In my opinion, Lemieux is the greatest ever. Or produce but, like that. Yes, exactly. But, I mean, if you can have a, uh, some kind of a, a poor man's version of a Mario Lemieux, well, you still have a ton of wealth in front of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, this Buffalo Sabres team in general, like I look at, I think goal differential usually shakes out. The good teams end up, obviously it looks pretty good after last night's game, but you know, they're ahead, they're behind the Montreal Canadiens in the standings who are minus 12 goal differential. The Sabres are plus nine. That's better than Florida, Tampa Bay, Detroit. Like I feel like this team is farther down the standings than their true talent level. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I don't want to, you know, they, they just win a game 9-4, but they give up a ton of goals, right? So sure. goaltending is, is – and I'm not picking on the goaltenders. They just don't have an established – you know, Craig Anderson's 41. They're, they're sampling out Uka Pekka-Lukanen. You know, Comrie's not in the picture right now. And Devin Levi's in college. And you just – you say to yourself, like, if they have a goalie, if they had a, a, a bona fide – number one goalie. And I'm not talking a Carey Price in his prime or, or an, another St- Markstrom or whatever. I'm just talking about a, uh, a goalie that is capable of stealing you a couple games. You know, they're, they're maybe one, maybe two points out of a, a wild card spot instead of six, seven, you know what I mean? So it, it really does come down to something as minuscule as that. And then on top of it, another thing we talked about today was, you can't win night in and night out against the good teams with two lines. I mean, you have the two lines in Buffalo and then you have the other two lines and the other two lines are, are they're, they're just, they're not producing. Um, They're not playing very well. And, you know, it's kind of like that, that I don't want to say weak link, but you know, they're, they're, they're kind of holding this team down because they're not able to produce, uh, you know, five on five. And then, you know, the top four defensemen on this team are, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to look at, but then you got to find the legitimate fifth, sixth, seventh guys that actually fit those roles and, and know how to play those roles. And, you know, so there's still a way to go with this team, but I mean, it's just, at least they're fun to watch. Oh my God. They're, I'm not sure. Like torture for ten years. I was telling PD these guys before we went to break that everybody was so excited. Social media was buzzing on on Tage Thompson. I switch over from Calgary, and I watched maybe one of the worst twenty minutes in the third period that I've I've ever Just seen between playing until the buzzer. That's Columbus all. and Buffalo, and I think it was a signature and uh, a TNT game yeah. nationally. Uh, both these clubs still have a long way to go. Columbus. My God, that was just horrific at home to give up five goals to one guy and give up almost uh, 10 goals. Someone's going to have to really explain to me why Johnny Goudreau signed there. He's he's chicken. Like, I I can't figure this out. I want to say that I thought New Jersey was an option for him, and I wonder wonder if he's kicking himself for that one. There was no no one came close. No one came close to the money, Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, just well, I mean, I guess can't put a price on losing, I guess, eh? <laughs> that was a tough one. Hey, listen, we're going to let you go, but uh, thanks for your thoughts and uh, your feedback off of uh, Tage Thompson, uh, a treat to watch last night. Thanks for doing this, Petey. Hey, can I say one yeah. thing? Oh, go, yeah, buddy. Go. go. 
Justin, Justin, yep. congrats on your sobriety. Thank you. I read your tweet today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I myself am sober now. It'll be 11 years coming up in May. Wow. And I absolutely understand the 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 rock bottom that you have to get to in order to actually realize that you have to change something. Mm-hmm. So good on you for changing it and stick with it. I'm always here to support you if need be. I have, I have surrounded myself with a bunch of great people that are also, you know, sober, either whether it's alcohol or drugs. And I got to tell you, they're the greatest people to be around. Cause here's the saying, you can't trust someone that doesn't quit or doesn't drink, <laughs> but you can trust someone that had to quit. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, man. Oh, wow. Good on you. Well, hey, I Good appreciate that, man. And the whole hockey community's got a nice little little culture recovery, doesn't it? So thanks so much, man. That means the world to me. Hey, hey Petey, when yeah. you, when, when you mentioned when you mentioned him hitting rock bottom, are you referring to him being on a show with me and Sammy? <laughs> well, I, listen, man, I'm almost 11 years sober, and being on a show with you, Kipper, would drive me to drink. So <laughs> <I, you know, laughs> yeah, like, Nice. And that's the best part about it is that once you once you kind of come to that acceptance and everything, you, you start to see some humor in it too. And, and yeah. I can joke about that. But, yeah, that would be rock bottom for me too. <laughs> Thanks, Petey. Appreciate you, man. Andrew Peters, uh, former yeah, NHLer, Buffalo Sabre, and current uh, players cast on Sportsnet YouTube channel. Uh, that's always nice feedback. And, you know, yeah, congratulations on, on the book and telling your story. And it's going to touch – so many. Can you just talk a little bit? Because you probably put those tweets out. What time today? Yeah, 11.30 or 11.30. Something. Just yeah. quickly tell me the response just from your social media alone. Yeah, it's uh, as Sammy said when I walked in, it's, uh, you need oven mitts to hold my phone. So she's he overheating <laughs> over here. Um, but in a good way. You know, I, I, I did say to Sam, you, you know, when I came in too, that, you know, I, I feel a little overwhelmed today. You know, like it's been a lot and, you know, the amount of people who have some connection to this, like alcoholism in their family, um, for people who don't know and didn't see the tweets, um, you know, I am an alcoholic. I Coming up to this upcoming February, I'll be four years sober and, of course, not counting, uh, you know, taking for granted that, that you get there. But um, that's about where I am in my sobriety. Went to rehab, uh, you know, left my family, left my two-and-a-half-year-old at the time to go spend a month and do that. And he's right about the, how low it has to get and rock bottom. And uh, I, I think one thing that my message will be and why one of the reasons that I want to talk about this publicly is I learned that there is no rock bottom for people. You pick your bottom. I learned that in treatment where they basically said, this guy's been through that. This woman's been through this. It's not all equal. There's not some rock bottom where you go, it's over. I need to get better. You get to pick your bottom because there's always a worse bottom out there. And for me, you know, I, I am what you would call a low bottom alcoholic in that I kept my wife and my family barely, but I did. And I made the change before I lost that. And, you know, I, I kept my job barely, um, you know, was able to hang on to some important things in my life. And, you know, finding out who you are after you make that change is a challenge and um, is still a learning process for me because he's right. You know, he always said when you're drinking, you, you don't trust someone who doesn't drink. So what am I now? And trying to find that it's so basically, you know, I, I know this is going to be 
I'm opening myself up to hearing people's stories because, you know, I have a sponsor who says, you know, I laid the toolkit for recovery at your feet and now it's your job to do that for others. So, uh, yeah, the support's been overwhelming. Sportsnet's been incredible. Thank you to everyone uh, involved in that. And it's just been, it's been, a, again, overpowering day. I feel very emotional about it all. Well, on behalf of Sammy and the whole crew here. We, we love you, bud. We, yeah, we, we love who you are today. And yeah. uh, uh, we're we're here for you constantly. I know it's an ongoing battle that uh, yeah. never really goes away for for many. Um, yeah. But uh, proud to be a, a part of uh, your life, a part of this show with you. You've been fantastic yeah. and uh, only great things ahead for you. And uh, very proud of you, yeah, you know, thanks, in the short man. period of time that I've uh, known you. And I, I can't wait for your book. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm blessed that, you know, to have a show like this and to work with you and to feel that support. You know, that is one of the things like, you know, hockey culture, like going out and having beers with the boys is one of the things, right? Like, and, and to be able to go out and play golf and not have it be, a, you know, a thing that I'm not drinking, that is part of it. So, the, yeah, the support is everything. And I am someone who has a great support system. You know, I have a, my wife and my mom and my brother and all that sort of thing. And not everyone has that. So there are places for people who don't have that. And, you know, I went to Renaissance. Uh, just off Spadina and Bloor, downtown Toronto here. And, and it was a tough month, but man, the support's there. And that's one of the things you learn is, you know, when you're an alcoholic, isolation is like the first thing you look for, right? You want to be alone. You don't want people to depend on you. Uh, and you do feel alone, even when you're with people, because they don't really know what you're going through. And so you find through this community of recovery that you're not alone, that there's people who are going through it. And it's people in your office and in your family and people you don't know about. And today... That's part of why I feel overwhelmed is I want to help everyone who is reaching out and is going through something and it's going to be, it's going to be meaningful and hard and all that. But yeah, the book I hope is just sort of a, a new beginning where I can be public with my recovery. Renaissance, the, the play says that uh, when you recover loudly, uh, you can contribute to, you know, helping people from suffering quietly. So I will be recovering loudly and here for anyone who wants to reach out. And when can we expect the book? February 14th. I am four years on February 16th and books come out on Tuesday. So Valentine's Day with love. Um, yeah, it's uh, check my Twitter feed at JT Bourne. There's a link to the uh, Penguin Publishing place there. Thanks to Penguin Publishing for doing the book. And I'm looking forward to it. We are as well. Thanks, Thanks for sharing that yeah, with the man, us. buddy. Love you. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, we got about, uh, what, uh, 15 to go? Maybe clean up some news and notes yes. around the National Hockey League. Uh, do we start with the real reality here? And it's almost as if it, it happened last night with Ovechkin going from um, triple digits behind Wayne Gretzky to just double digits. 99. 99 behind 99. It got... Real yeah. last night. I was Let's a. Let's go to Brian Fantano. Tied live on, on the scene with a Channel Four News exclusive. Brian, Ovi, watch. <laughs> did you guys work? <laughs> I, on did, I did that last year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't what was that? that? It was from Anchorman, Panda Watch, Ovi, watch. Ninety nine right. behind ninety nine. I so were you? Have you been a long time believer that he would get there? Because uh, I have not. I will be open about that. I have been just the, the, open the, all day the, today. I've been fighting it. The, but it's the only thing I I questioned even a few years ago, and I was there when David Amber st- first kind of brought it up. So four years ago? Is that how long it's been? I, oh, I don't know. Amber's been on this forever. Is just from a health perspective. Yeah. 
How long could he stay healthy? Where's the durability? Everybody breaks down. I, I didn't think it was possible four years ago. These are the years to me where I expected the fall off to come. These are the ones where he's getting there and surprising me because I thought I wouldn't be surprised in the tail end of his career that he's a 30-goal guy and then a 20-goal guy and he hangs on. But that he scored even 50 if, times last year. But even if he turns himself into a 30-goal guy, he's, he's, he's going to play for another four or five years. I know. He's it's, got... He, he's as long there. as he stays healthy, even if he turns himself into a 30-goal guy and yeah. he's... That that record, as long as he stays healthy, is going down. He's probably scoring another 30 times this season. Is that, you know, 25, 30 times? What's he at now, 15 or 13? 15. Yeah, 15. some of that. But he's, you know, you assume he's got how many hockey games left? Like 55? So he's going to score another 30? Yeah. Probably. So, so now you're at 69? And then how many seasons is that? Two after that? Oh, my. And th- th- were some busting on him for empty net or... Goals? Well, I, you know, I, being a hater, I was like, ah, another empty netter. He, Gretzky had 56. Ovi's got 51. Yeah, so. but, uh, like, but think about the games Gretzky played compared to, to Ovi and mm-hmm. where, the, where that rate is. But I, it's, it, the point's moot. I don't care if it was I empty know. netter. Yeah. Everybody gets Kinect empty netter. People, people love empty net. The, the cookie monsters over our game historically have loved those empty netters. Well, the weirdest thing is that he's been on the ice at the end of the game. Is he typically a guy you're thinking protect the lead, no. put Ovi on the ice? No, they suck now. They're not playing very well. And I bet you, like, this is what... Their window, now, their window now has shifted from a perennial Stanley Cup contender into ultimately winning their Stanley Cup and getting Ovi that cup to now, I think they're kind of the Ovi chase team, right? Like, that's kind that's of what... Depressing. That's depressing. I mean, not, That's kind of what they're going to be. Like, they're they're aging, no? Like, I know, I know Kipper, you're alumni, like, you're close to that team, but, like, they're aging, their window yeah, is no, closing. No, like, no, this no, is kind no. of we, the thing. We, we've been talking this way... For about a year and a half, and, and we lumped Pitt, Pittsburgh in there. Yeah, and but Pittsburgh wanted to double down with Latang and Malkin and Crosby, and I mean they should make the playoffs this year, should they not? But it's yeah. still Pens are getting hot again. They're back up into uh, I think second again. in the Metro. But but if it fell off for Pittsburgh, nobody would be surprised, and I don't think a ton of people are surprised. At Washington right now it's with the combo no of Backstrom and, hurt. and no Tom Wilson. Right. Konechny C- uh, take a whack at uh, Ovi last night. <laughs> yeah. He was pissed off and, and scored an empty netter. And Konechny seems like a bit of a rat, huh? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's like, oh, at- dude chasing literally the all-time goal record shoots hey. with in the empty net. What <laughs> a dick. That, yeah. Tom Wilson on the ice. Oh, Is he doing God, that? No chance. That's a good point. So. They should trade Tom Here's the, the other Leafs. thing that. Just uh, my overall perspective, too, is there seems to be a, a total attitude adjustment when it comes to scoring goals now. Mm-hmm. You never got a chance to put two empty netters in my era in an empty it's a good net. Point. Yeah. Ever. Like when, when the first one went in, the, the game was over. The game's over, and the goalie's going back in. Yeah. You're not giving, it, it's almost as if teams today what go, do the Flyers have listen, to lose? we know the game's over, but I'm, we're going to practice our six on fives now. And what's the difference? So, I mean, know? give up another two goals. 9-4 yeah. last night. Who cares? What is happening? The Vancouver Canucks are the preeminent team feeding, feeding into the rise in goals in the NHL. Do you, you see the Canucks score last night? Yeah. 6-5 was a... 6-5, f- the they blew another three-goal leading. They were 4-1 and 5-2 or whatever exactly it was. 
It's n- playing the Sharks. Where's my buddy Brad May? It's not, well, it's not good. Well, it's not good. And if you look at the standings, you can talk yourself into the Canucks, which the Canucks have been doing for years. They're they're a couple points out of a wild card spot now. Ugh. And they've just beat three awful teams they in a row. Barely, barely yes. snuck by Arizona, Montreal, San Jose. So the schedule's been good to them. It has been very good to them. Yes, they are currently two points out of a wild card spot right now. Jeez. I just worst case scenario for them, it, by the way. Patterson's so good still, though. Having it, an amazing it, year. It's yeah. everybody wants to score now. Yeah. That's what it is. That's why goals are up, I think, because D Man also want to score. And they're jumping. They're they're flying the zone. And everybody on the fourth line think that they're just temporary. Yeah. Till they're the fourth elite line guys. Score. Well, that's Until when they your fourth get on line is top Mul- six. Mulgan, Robertson, Durag, and Chinsev. You <laughs> foster that belief, but you know we're a fourth line that has goal scorers on it. SDA went down, eh, guys? He just crashed. I, here's what I'll say about that. It's hard to really die on any hill when it comes to SDA, but I think the Dallas Stars on the road was a weird choice for his NHL debut. Your goal against a structured, you know, like big you, you, physical a team. Huge, good team. You don't control the matchups. Like, to me, you just, just play Malgan. You know, to me, you don't ever concern yourself with what SDA needs in that situation. You're like, yeah, you're going to get in a yeah, game. Here's like, your just, game. Just play Malgan. Yeah. It was a weird move to me. Who is playing tonight, Malgan? And Samson off starting. We had a. We should listen to Keith on goaltending after this. Do you want to go there now? Sure, if you're ready. Uh, well, I just wanted to pick up a little bit on. We're going to see an L.A. King tonight team that they don't have a lineup like the Leafs where they're going to throw four of four premier world-class talented players at you. But they're competitive. And they're not a team that have a, a loaded number one power play like the Leafs. Nope. They're, they're high-end talent that cannot hang. So I'll throw this out to you guys just as I did kind of Luke, and I thought Luke's answer was great on they all l- loading up a, a number one unit power play because that's what Sheldon's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Do you even know who's on their second power play? <laughs> yeah, like, I do because it's hilarious. Read it. I, well, <laughs> Read it. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's it's Timmins. It was SDA last time. Yeah. It was... Bunting. Was it Bunting? Yeah. I think Bunting's, yeah, considered Bunting, a, a second Robert line. Bunting, and Robertson. Engvall. <laughs> like, and who else? Engvall is the worst option possible. Like, I'm not even saying that just to pick on him. But it's like, okay. that is the worst thing about his game is his offensive zone just possession. composure but, to yeah, handle like, it and stand there. Never happens. But, Never. But, but, but between now and at some point, hopefully they get through the first round. You might get, need a second unit for Chipwin with you one. You might want to start thinking about a legit kind of second unit. Spets a half wall. Hat, clapper. Bring them back for the or, playoffs. Or are they, to Luke's point, if if you got a special player, you just have to let them take the whole two minutes. You know, it's it's early in the season to be... Now the second unit comes out and just 10 seconds left in the power play. <laughs> I love that. The moment Chris uh, Cuthbert said that, I'm like, we need Derek, it clip that for me, please. Because that is basically... The second unit on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, like, is there an optimal one? Like, is it Kerfoot? Like, can you give me one? Can, you, can you take one guy? Gio? Can you take one guy off their current power play and put him? And you know how this goes. You tell me which. Second. 
It's always going to be Bill. He's the only one you're allowed to pick on. Can't be Mitch. Can't be Austin. JT might pout. No, maybe he not Willie. Not Willie. But it has to be Willie. Has to yeah. be Willie. Yeah. But to me, Will- JT wouldn't pout. But I think he's the least of the you power play driving front. guys. Yeah. Like he's the perfect guy to be in the net front with that top unit because he's got sick hands around the net. They're finding him all the so time. Here's True. what Smart. I've always yeah, found out on teams that I've played with is that you need internal competition. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Leafs' power play does not have that. Yeah. If there is just, there's always somebody <laughs> standing up about a minute into the first unit's power play, mm-hmm. ready to jump out there. Leg up on the board. Le- leg up on the board and uh, boards and just like, okay, boys, you can't get it done. My turn. Yeah. And if you don't have that, if in fact that a power play does get cold or Heaven forbid a couple guys get hurt. Like, what do you do now? You just throw a, a Kerfoot out there or an Angval out there and say, hey, um, we, we need a, a big power play goal. And you're like, oh, I mean, you didn't give me a chance all year. Now yeah. you're asking me to step up. In truth, though, like who do you comfortably want to handle the puck? Like who can you picture on the Maple Leafs handling a puck that's not Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, Marner? Sometimes bunting. He's, he's in the press box. He's in the on the in the front office. Spezza. Jason Spezza. But like Kerfoot, I trust to handle the puck a little bit. He's not going to shoot it in, but he can handle it. And then it's like Mulgan because it isn't Camp. It's not Holmberg. It's not Aston Reese. It's not Engvall. So they don't have a ton of next guy up options. They do. We do have a clip of Keith talking you, about Mulgan and well, talking about internal on. competition. Do but. you know where the least power play ranks in the NHL? Five, Top five, better. Top three. I don't know. 14th. No. Yes. Is it really? Yep. That's shocking. Power play percentage. Yeah, I thought it would I thought it moved up a lot 14th. in the last little while. They that tells right. you Oh, no, you're right because it was They're 23%. But it uh first that. 3 weeks, 4 weeks, I think it was 21 or 22. Yeah. It struggled early. They they they've been in catch up mode to get that uh their that rate up. Their PK is top 10. I'm dumb because I recently wrote an article about where their PK ranked in the league. <laughs> they were they were ninth at 25 percent at the time right yeah. now. So okay, let's go to Sheldon. Keep talking about Mulligan and, and the bottom six. I guess in general. Yeah, yeah, it certainly should. You know, regardless of how the team's playing, he's if, when you're out of the lineup, you know, you get back in, <laughs> you want to take advantage of it. You know, clearly there's a competition going on here, and we're, you know, he had played really well, then we saw a dip a little bit, and. Um, you know, Yarn Kroc has, has given opportunities for other people, whether that's Robertson moving up or um, SDA the other night gets a chance to play in the NHL and Malkin gets back in today. Um, you know, uh, Simmer is going to play on Saturday. So, you know, this is a good opportunity right here to get out and uh, get back to playing the way he was. What do you think is Simmer's going to play on Saturday? Do we need to line up decisions today for Saturday? What's that about? <sighs> I don't know. Just it's, letting Wayne know it's coming. I think it's just an. They think it's just enough to kind of keep them in the. Keep them interested. Keep them interested. Keep them in the loop. Flame Saturday night. Anything to do with their size or Lucic or anything uh, like that? I, I just think in general, it's it's a really it's a it's tough on them. But hey, the alternative is you're. Looking for a job at Sportsnet, you know? Yeah. Ooh. I'm kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying, though? It's like, you know, he's, 
I think in the in the big picture, he'll take this yeah, over hundred percent, shutting it down. Yep. Yeah, intermittent. You get to play for the Leafs, live in your hometown, be a part of it, and you never know. Come playoffs, might be a valuable low line guy. He can still put it away if he gets it in tight. So, uh, we'll talk now. Mm. Ah, hands go away when you get old. No, but it's it's hard to produce yeah. the way they've used him. You no just doubt. gotta be realistic. Um so we haven't mentioned it today, which I like, but I proposed that the Mitch Marner point streak is like birthdays. So you celebrate on the fives. It's like so this twenty? <laughs> okay, he's got yeah. the twenty great. Well twenty five? I got then this. we're talking. I got I got 20, this going 30, in the thirties. Thirty? You got it going to the thirties. I do, yeah. Wow. What number? Let's shoot your right. shot right I now. I mean, it would be incredible yeah. to call that early because even calling it, you called yeah. it the other day that it would go on for a few more games, and you have been right. Well, I've just a, he's good. What do I know? Hey, but what, I just, what golf course is that shirt w- from, by the way? When, uh, trial. Trial? Yeah. Where's that? Uh, Jamaica. Oh, okay, sounds nice. Hit the ball, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, of course. Under... Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry for derailing. No, no, that's all right. Gifford has dreamt we're, of Jamaica. We're, we're I can just, see it in his eyes. We're just one day away from Friday. <laughs> yeah, the wheels are getting yeah. loose. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I just, I just pictured the eighth uh, hole Marner, there for some reason. Marner Street. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, we're, we're talking about uh, a team that has no problem with their stars going out there for full two minutes. Oh, yeah. This guy is a threat, not only. On power play, teams. even strength, shorthanded. This guy's thinking about points. Yeah. He's first minute, last minute of every period. I can't. He's going. Yeah. Come on. 100%. Should should should, should be uh, in a position to keep this thing going. Makes sense. Do you want to get in the goalie clip before we can chat about that quick? Sure. All right. Let's listen to Sheldon Keefe on the goaltending situation. Ilya Samsonov is going on Saturday night. Or Sorry. Well, good morning. Well, I, I think no, tonight. tonight what <laughs> Try again. Good throw. <laughs> again. Well, I, I think if I look at it, you know, when, I, when the season was, when we were preparing for the season and we're coming in, I was really excited about these two guys. And we knew what their history was and we knew what we have to do to give them a chance at success and, and how we had to play a role to really help help those guys thrive and play to their potential. But I was extremely excited when I just looked at the combination of ability, uh, experience in the league. Both of them at different times have been carrying the load for their team. Both have played in the playoffs. Obviously, Matt Murray's won the big game multiple times, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, the combination of all of that, to me, had me really excited, and those guys have delivered on it. Really excited about those guys going into a, camp. It's a good test for Samsonov tonight. I do too. He was really excited to not see Jack Campbell anymore. Yeah, that was probably just excited about our goaltending situation because yeah. it wasn't the guy who was letting us down. No, it's yeah, not, just it's, move on. It's not the guy that I have to like, you know, tell him he's doing great every day. Yeah, like, that I, was probably a load of work just trying to manage that I emotional get, swings. I get the feeling we talked about this. I don't know what day it was, but with Matt Murray, you hear him talk in the media. He's just the worst, like you said, worst interview in sports. Just in a good way. But, in a but good there way. is that just attitude dull. where you guys were the last to know I'm friggin' good. Oh, yeah, there is. Which, but that's good. Which I, you want your goal. I, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you got one guy who's kind of like talking about, I like smile and. I'm know, so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy. I predict the future. And then the other guy hates talking to the media and just seems like a professional. I like the pairing. So, 
It's yeah. better than it was last year. That's, That's a nice warm-up for me, yeah? yeah. That's <laughs> nice, hey? I love it. Yeah. Well, there'll be a few of those with a big win tonight. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As you, as you mentioned, big test, you know, to kind of keep it going consistently as the guy who's not been yeah. prioritized as the starter. What do you see, a 4-2 win? I think it's going to be tough tonight. I, I was a doubter against Dallas, but, like, they've just been so good so long. An OT match tonight. I'll call overtime. Yeah, I... I don't. I don't want to always say that they're going to lose because I feel like I say that every time. But I feel like they could lose tonight. <laughs> All right, can't be the positive they, one of the group. They, today. It would be understandably uh, something that is coming—a a letdown or just a an exhale here. They're like, okay, Brody's back. Now he can do defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my cookies. <laughs> yes, right, Brody. Am I not? Yeah. Okay. Our thanks to uh, Gord Stellick, as always. Luke Robitaille, who was... Yeah, lucky Luke. W- are we going to get another president to one-up him? Uh, can't happen. Oh, Brian Burke exists, I should say. So. Our thanks to all of you. Give us a rating and review or a thumbs up. We'd love to hear from you. We're back tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight.